Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, ahoy, and welcome to Always There, the Howard's Way podcast. I'm Julia Rayside. Thank you for joining me as I navigate through every single episode of the 1980s seafaring soap opera set in the fictional English coastal town of Tarrant. It would be a lonely voyage without you. And joining me to discuss the finale of series two, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I am, (laughs) it is... Jan Howard herself, the actual incredible Jan Harvey. Oh, thank you so much, Julia. Ahoy and welcome aboard. Oh, it's all right. I've got my life jacket on. <laughs> thank goodness. We can't, we, we, we can't afford to lose you. Now, we're recording this on a Monday morning and you mentioned to me in an email you were going to watch this as close to recording as possible. Did you watch it on Sunday night? I didn't watch it oh. on Sunday night. I watched it on Saturday night. Okay, fair enough. Stephen then. and I sat down, Stephen Yardley, Ken Masters. Yeah, in case you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I sat down and we watched it. It was an extraordinary experience. How I long has it been you. since you've seen it? Well, that episode I must have seen because we did the commentaries for it. Oh, yes, yeah. So I must have seen that probably quite recently as a 15 years ago. Wow. But had it been another one, yeah. had it been, for instance, episode nine... I could have said quite safely, I haven't seen it since 35 but years the, ago. Oh my goodness me. So, so I've never seen them since. Watching yourself back. Stephen didn't recognise me. Really? No. He said, I can't recognise you. What? I said, what do you mean you can't <laughs> recognise me? He said, I can't. I said, you must be. I mean, look. <laughs> that's who you Did met. you keep pointing to your own face and then the one on the screen? Yes, look, yes, we're the look. same woman. <laughs> it's rather worrying that he didn't, isn't it? Yeah, is he okay? Aging. Perhaps get him checked yeah. out. Yeah. Mm, no, no. It's, it's me I'm worried about. <laughs> no. She, by the way, she looks glowing and beautiful. If, if you could only see her. 
I paid her to say that. <laughs> so did you enjoy the experience? Watching was it, it were you just I too... was amazed yeah. how much I enjoyed it. I really was. I mean, funnily enough, Stephen and I were both in it very little, yes. as it turned out. Well, I almost didn't do this episode with you because I got about 15 minutes in and just said, there's, no, there's not enough Jan in this episode. But the reason I decided to stick with it is the closing shot. And you'll know what I'm talking about and we'll get to it. Right. But okay. I have so many questions. It's amazing. <laughs> anyway, what you do do is astonishing. So, you know, it's definitely worth talking about. We should just crack on with the episode, shouldn't Come we? Come on, let's have a look at it. I can't wait. Okay, <laughs> so we're at the end of series two. They're placking a lot of plot into this last episode. This episode, I think, looking back at it, I, I realised it was very, very different from the end of episode Series one. Yeah, very much so. Very different. And really quite downbeat. I mean, there was so much negativity going on, wasn't there? Tom. I mean, Tom's in a mess. He's in a terrible (gasps) place, in an absolute pickle. Uh, So we join him, actually. We we start with a shot of him at the yard, and he's bitterly pulling the tarpaulin over the linnet, which has obviously come a cropper. A terrible accident has befallen it, and um, someone's died. I know. that's Which is... Terrible. Pretty bad. Isn't it awful? <laughs> it's very bad. I hadn't remembered that. I know, I know. I, I, I think you're right. The downbeatness of it, I think I'd forgotten that it goes, mm. it gets quite dark sometimes. This is, I think, apart from the Labrador in series one, it's the first death. Is that correct? I think that's the first. <laughs> I don't remember the Labrador in series it one. It was off screen, Jan, but it was very upsetting. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so Jack was drunk driving and he, uh, <gasps> oh, yeah, he yes. came off the road. That's how him and Kate met. Right. Very sad. I, still I only think remember that. that from your podcast. I know, right? <laughs> I still think about that dog, you know, fondly, even though I never met him or her. Yeah, so Tom, obviously, before this boat accident happened, Bill had tried to warn him that the main beam won't hold. And, you know, lo and behold, it didn't, even though they'd made some repairs to it. So we find him in the boatyard looking pretty upset. And Avril pensively is looking for him uh, and, and finds him. And he's just eaten up with guilt. But he wants to talk to the widow of the, know, the man who killed. I don't think so. Would you? No, I think, honestly, it's better not to, because you're, you're bound to, you know, declare yeah. that you were guilty in some way, and exactly. that would be that. Exactly. You know, she's been through enough, quite frankly. So then we move to a building site. I'm assuming this is oh. one of Charles Freer's building projects. One of my favourite moments, Polly on a building site. <laughs> I know! I thought, this is terrific. I had never in my wildest imagination thought that she would ever be on a no. building site, but I there know. she is. I kind of wanted her to look a little bit more sort of disgusted by it all, or maybe to Yes. trip over some rubble or something <laughs> but she's wearing a kind of this episode by the way everyone all the women are in navy nearly all of them are in navy blue the, the designer clearly had a bit of a thing about navy oh i've got episode. a lot to say about Susie. oh i want to hear it she's all. wonderful so this is this is the woman who basically bought she bought clothes in didn't she like sort of really nice designer Susie Peck did this. This is the second series. So this is Susie Peck. She was the sort of enfant terrible of Pebble Mill and really really avant-garde. I mean, she was fabulous. In fact, she'd worked as an assistant on a series I'd done at Pebble Mill before called A Family Affair. So I knew her and I knew... She she was the first person who took me to Browns. I'd never been to Browns before. This is the department store, right? Well, no, Browns was a shop in London, two shops, I think. Incredibly expensive. Just really fashionable. Phenomenal, but wonderfully fashionable. And we went there for for one or two of my outfits in a family affair. So when I knew Susie was coming onto this show, I thought we're in for a bit of fun here. And you could see it. I have never seen shoulder pads so wide in my life. They are. The fashions are. I mean, they. I mean, Jan. It fits though. Your character has gone fully headlong into the world of fashion. So. The things that are being sold in her shop now. I mean, just the swags of fabric and the weird shapes. And... I know. Unbelievable. Yeah, Unbelievable. It's crazy. 
So Polly is in one of these lovely outfits on the building site. Um, she's gone to find Charles, who also himself is like, he's combining his office look, but with a donkey jacket. It's kind of like on-site chic. <laughs> he's just slightly adjusted his usual suit and tie. He's I like still that. glamorous. Though. Oh, God. They're just such beautiful people in the house. You're one of them, obviously. <laughs> How did you get anything done on set? I mean, Everyone just looks incredible. Do you know, that's, that's the one thing that hit me again when I saw yeah. it. I thought, crikey, everybody looks so bloody gorgeous. Beautiful. Uh, they do. But I yeah. have to tell you, makeup and more, I mean, makeup and wardrobe, <laughs> got to say it, as long as, as long as the chemist shop is open, my mother said, <laughs> we need never fear. <laughs> I was going to say, the raw material's pretty fabulous, but still. So, yeah, so Polly's in full pearls and sort of like a navy shift dress. She's fretting about Abby, and Abby's been seeing this ne'er do well called Curtis Yeager, who's not a nice character. Got something to tell you about oh, Curtis. Go on, go yeah, on. No, no, sorry to interrupt no. the flow. Um, <laughs> But Curtis Yeager was played by Dean Harris. Yes. Again, I had completely forgotten he had been in the show. Oh. But Curtis Yeager, played by Dean Harris, yeah. Dean Harris, I should say, and <laughs> I did Hamlet together. What? Wow. He played Hamlet. I played Ophelia. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. And then he turns up. I mean, actually, it happened quite a few times. Oh, I met so loads weird. of old mates on Howard's well, Way, sure. which was fab. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and he also, and I want everyone to know this because it's not a little known fact that I think you'll find that Dean Harris was a junior Wimbledon champion. What? There you go. This is incredible. There you go. <laughs> I didn't expect you heard the it facts. <laughs> it's amazing. So where did you give your Ophelia? We were on tour with Charles Maravitz. It was the Charles Maravitz Theatre. Wow. Uh, experimental Theatre. Yeah. Wow. Did you do a lot of that sort of in your early days? Yes, then? I was constantly doing lunchtime shows yeah. and things like that. Yeah, Everybody yeah. did back then. I mean, yeah. it was a really exciting period of theatre and, and there were just shows everywhere yeah. you went to go and have a see a show at lunchtime is perfectly normal in london yeah i miss that i wasn't yeah. in london when that was going on but that sounds amazing i'd like to just wander into a theater well and... it was great for new writers yeah. you know it, it, it gave a, a and we weren't paid a penny i mean it was well, no. maybe expenses if that kind of like podcast now jan well hello <laughs> <laughs> seems to have gone full circle i know <laughs> um, so then we we leave charles and polly kind of uh, disagreeing about what he's supposed to do about the curtis yeager situation and why it's his business um and and then we move on to Curtis and Abby themselves. They're in his rather grotty looking flat and it's all very loose and they've clearly just spent the night together. And then he, he woos her with a seductive line, fancy a trip to Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> Which presumably is where she already was because it's filmed in Pebble Mills. So, I was a know. bit shocked, Julia. Why? There was a hand on her breast. Yeah. Well, see, that happened in the first episode as well. Your husband touched Dawn's bottom. Smacked it. <laughs> Smacked it. <laughs> I, a bare bottom genuinely quite shocked me. And the time you were in Cannes and those two women just walked through the back of shop with well, their boobs out. Well, I said, no one's going to be listening to a word I say. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Who were those women, by the way? Were they just extras? Bless them. They were extras. And it was freezing cold. You know what it's like. I mean, we're meant to be in Cannes. Yeah. We're actually in Southampton. It's freezing cold. The wind's blowing. I really blowing. thought you'd gone to South, South and the, France. I mean, honestly, the nipples were like tent pegs. I mean, it was just phenomenal. And I said, nobody is going to listen to a word I say. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Get those women out of here. It was absolutely shocking. I mean, it did set the scene. I bet, probably why I was so convinced you were in France. Thought, no, no 
British person would behave in such a way. But anyway, um, so back to Abby and Curtis. They're in bed. He's saying he's going off to Birmingham to show someone a red card because they kicked their own dog to death. Again, this is dark. That was horrible. This is Sunday tea time. But anyway, they're having a bit of a tiff because he's trying to gauge whether she really likes him. She's kind of lying in bed with him. There's clearly they're not on the same page romantically or ideologically. So it's all, it's all going a bit wrong there. Then we go to the boatyard where Avril and Jack are discussing whether Tom should visit the Travis's house or not, which is the this is the, yes. the poor widow in the neck brace. In the neck <laughs> a brace. A very glamorous woman <laughs> in a neck brace, but nevertheless, a <laughs> bit of a rough part for her. And they start talking about Tom for the first time in sort of negative terms and Jack saying he's brought us nothing but trouble and it's Do all you know, going I was wrong. really shocked by yeah. Jack and Avril in this I in know. this episode. I was re- I was so upset for Tom. I, I thought they were rats, the lot of them. <laughs> and I mean, talk about sinking ship and getting off. Yeah, really. They were horrible. They were worse than Brexit, darling. Yeah. That's all I can say. <laughs> oh, my say. God. That's bad. <laughs> yes, and that is bad. So, yes, they've turned on him, effectively. They're trying to save themselves now. And, yeah, th- th- thank you for the boat metaphor, by the way. And also, Jack says that Tom will sink them. Tick. And then he says something about burning boats. So it's all in there. I'm happy. Um, so things aren't good at the boatyard. Then we go to Tom's ill-advised visit to Mrs. Travis, um, who's played by an actor called Pamela Salem. And I couldn't think where I'd seen her before, but she kind of looked really familiar. Do you know, she was. And you're right. We need to get on the phones now and look yeah, it up because you're absolutely right. She has been on lots of stuff. But maybe and I can't but I remember. In my head, she and was a Bond again, girl or something. But. She might have been. Mm, again, maybe. you know, it's, it's really interesting, of course, because I never met her. No, of course. No scenes with no her. No scenes so. with her. Yeah. And she's only on film, so yeah. you you never saw her. Ah, strange. But anyway, she's lying there resplendent by her pool in a neck brace in her back garden. And she looks like she's in terrible pain. And she sort of recounts, you know, quite emotionally the terrible accident that befell the Lynette that killed her husband. And you just think, Tom, you shouldn't be there. No. You're trying to basically make yourself feel better, which is understandable. But, you know, now is not the time or the place. And she kind of closes the scene by saying, Mr. Howard, I'm not a vindictive woman. I love it. Uh oh, that doesn't sound good. And then we quickly return to the yard where Avril's on the phone. I haven't written down what she's talking about, though. So that was a bit pointless. But then we swiftly move on to Leisure Cruise, where obviously Ken has now set up this incredible powerboat business with Mark and Sarah Foster, his sexy associates. Yes, <laughs> yes. There's going to be trouble. Trouble there, I feel. I think you might be right. You're like Cassandra. <laughs> um, but Ken is, I mean, I'm just, I'm slightly obsessed with Ken's wardrobe. Your wardrobe is one thing and it's really interesting. But did he have any input into his clothes? Because oh. you went shopping with your, your fashion. Oh, we person. all did. Yeah, we all did. But no, it, it's really interesting. Ken <laughs> was we call, found. We call him Stephen. <laughs> yes, yes, Stephen. Stephen was found, found Ken, found the character Ken. He yeah. went to... Um, now I'm going to be wrong. Benidorm, I think it might have been Benidorm. He okay. went. He went somewhere for a holiday, and there was this man that he saw at the bar that was covered in gold, amazing, and had this V-neck jumper on and nothing else. Brilliant. And he thought, <laughs> "That's my Ken." Amazing. Yeah. And that's where he found that character. That's incredible. Mm. So he was very kind of involved in the because the color palette this season it's all pastels. It's incredible when he's not when he's in leisure mode, which he often is. <laughs> <You> are, <laughs> he has business and leisure. Um, he's wearing like he's lemon. He's very keen. Very on his keen lemon. on lemon. And also this pale leather bomber jacket that keeps coming out. So sort of like a, I can't see if it's grey or white it's, or it, off white. It's, it's a cream. It's an off white. It? Okay. It's a creamy one. Yeah. Because I've seen him wear that to your your house. 
house, Jan's house before. I knew <laughs> I'd have trouble with this. <laughs> this could get difficult. Could you just put this wig on? <laughs> there we go. That's better. Um, <laughs> but no, it's really interesting. So the actors were all fairly involved in sort of yeah, the aesthetics. in their look. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You and went shopping with a costume designer, yeah. and I mean, we. It was a really big thing, actually, the whole Jan Howard business because we made a decision very early on to, to buy British. We oh, went a, for British so designers. Thinking. It's like the royal family do now, don't yes. they? Yes. I mean, yeah. we started off with quite a few non-British, but by by series two, we were really focusing in on the British yeah. designers. That's brilliant. And we used, I mean, um, um, and it brought everything to the forefront. I mean, it was a really big thing. And when you think this was when the British fashion show began around this period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So it was fantastic. We had Nicole Fari. Yeah. She would do the sort of casual then we had uh, Roland Klein would do the smart casual. Wow. And then we had Bruce Oldfield oh, yes. doing the evening wear. And he was and, Diana's favourite designer, wasn't he, Bruce Oldfield? Oh, I think one, I, of them, I mean, yeah. one of them, yeah. So, and it was great. So when we had fashion shows, we actually called on. And also we did lovely things. Like we had to make decisions about our, our clothes a year ahead. And it, was, it wasn't difficult until I think it was series four or five. I can't remember, but... The mini, the mini was coming back in. Oh gosh! And I thought, now I'm going to have to make a decision yeah, as to whether jam. I go into the mini or not. Wow! And at that point, Mrs. Thatcher said, "No woman over forty should wear a mini." And I thought, right, she's going to wear minis. Brilliant! Oh, I love it. <laughs> That's just like me and my mum. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, it was. It was that childish. <laughs> Brilliant! I basically have long hair now because my mum said, "Oh no, when you're forty, you can't have long hair." I'm like, "Stuff it!" Me too. <laughs> <Yay>! Me too. <laughs> okay, so yes, Ken is resplendent in his lemon and creamy outfit, and he's talking to Sarah and Mark. It's quite a nasty little conversation because clearly there's already a bit of power play going between him and Mark. He definitely fancies Sarah. He likes rubbing Mark's upper, upper class nose in it. Yes. And he talks about going to his grubby little comprehensive. Yes, wasn't that great? Oh, <laughs> yeah. no, secondary modern. Sorry, that's it. Even better. Yes, secondary modern. Secondary modern. His chip, I said to Stephen, your chip's showing. Oh, absolutely. Mm. But he plays that brilliantly. It's one of the best, I mean, the best of things about his character is that lurks at the back of so much that he's saying because he interacts with all these high status characters. And he gets it all wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. He so always good. is wearing the wrong jacket to yes. the wrong dinner thing. Yes. You know, and, and and it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. He just gets too sort of, you know, uh, what's the word I want? Obsequious when he's yes. with Sir John Stevens. Horribly. Instance, horribly. Calls him Kenneth. Calls him <laughs> Kenneth. I adore it. I just adore it. Oh. He is. He just, he plays this so beautifully. <laughs> Tell him well done. I will. I <laughs> okay. will. Good, good, good. I'm just sorry he's not here. I know. I know. We forgive him. We forgive <laughs> him. Series three, Stephen. Series three. Um, anyway, so uh, he's, he's basically putting Mark in his place with inverse snobbery and telling him that they need to aim at a broader market and stop just selling boats to your posh mates and he says he's going to teach him how to hustle <laughs> which clearly Mark is horrified by um, and, and Sarah kind of she looks she's, a bit excited she's very minx like isn't yeah, she yeah she is she's not a nice woman I don't think Sarah Ooh, she, doesn't, she doesn't cover herself in glory in the, the next series let's put it that way no no at all anyway then we're over to the yacht club I really like this scene because there's like a Mrs. Overall hoovering in the background which, it took me a while I said where are we I, I said, know I said is, where are we is that the jolly sailor or is it the yacht club I know I it's did. hard to tell 
But the pink upholstery is always the giveaway. That's the Yacht Club. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Horrible pink upholstery. It's the only thing I don't like in the set design. <laughs> uh, but it's quite realistic, though. But yeah, there's, so there's this woman who I don't think she gets a line even, but she's just standing at the back hoovering. hoovering. But it's really loud. Avril is having an, an assignation, well, a meeting with a mysterious Mr. Norfolk. <laughs> Mr. Norfolk. Not a made-up name. And they, they ask Mrs. Well, he says rather imperiously to Mrs. Overall, whatever her name yes. is, uh, that, that could she just bugger off for 10 minutes so they can <laughs> yeah. get on with talking. Could you take that away? Yeah, and she does. And then there's a really odd exchange. This is a very 80s thing. But they, he's got some coffee on a tray ready. Avril sits at the bar of this deserted yacht club with this strange man. And she asks for coffee, black, no sugar. And he just says to her, watching our weight, are we? At which point I'd have probably kicked him in the nuts and walked out. But it was the 80s. (laughs) What would you have done if someone had said that to you? Well, I mean, it it was really odd. But also, I just found all of this business was always overlaced with some sort of sexuality. I I know. What was going on in this episode? There's no use of them having sexual tension when he's like a one-off character that just comes in and goes very strange. Anyway, it turns out he's there to sound her out about a mysterious managing director's job. And she kind of feels a bit odd talking to him because he's behaving so strangely but she closes the conversation saying she might be interested yes but she doesn't know what the job is so it's a bit hard to say then we go back to the boatyard at this point I've just written down 15 minutes in still no Jan (laughs) because I'm getting impatient (laughs) but we'll get to you shortly um Tom is just staring disconsolately at some wreckage from the boat, uh, just scattered on the desk in front of him. And then someone comes in and serves Jack with a writ. They're going to sue. She's going to sue the yard for two million. Horrible. And then Tom personally is served with papers noting that they're going to impound the boat, the wreckage, so that they can investigate what went wrong. Do you know, I told him not to put his money in this yard. Oh, you were right. I told him he listened. He never would listen. It's a disaster. I mean, I told him it would be, and it has been. It's so sad. Sad. It's pathetic. I know, I know. Well, you know, he had to learn the hard way, I guess. I guess. <sighs> oh, Morris. You know, you, did you hear that? Was it the first, what, the first episode of this podcast? I just had my boiler repaired by a gas man who was just happened to live round the corner from me in Walthamstow, where I live in North London. And um, and I, he just said, what have you been up to? And I mentioned I'd just started watching Howard's Way for a podcast. And quite taking my breath away, he said, oh, you see that road up there? Yeah, that's where I live. The guy from Howard's Way used to come and play poker at my house. Yes. I was like, he never did. Yes. He never did. Like the last thing I expected to Isn't hear. Isn't that amazing? He was I a know. big poker player, Incredible, Morris. Incredible, yeah. So yeah. this nice guy, Eugene, said, oh, yeah, but Morris used to come round uh, with a couple of mates from Stoke Newington. We used to play regular I was like I can't get my head around this he was just there amazing anyway and you're here still (laughs) still not calming down about that there's a really nice so we move to Relt Marine next and there's a really nice music cue which has led on from the last scene so it kind of must have been I don't know a synth of doom or something when Tom served with his writ and it continues right through to the Relton boardroom and they're all kind of leaning forward like a little painting this made this made me absolutely screech with laughter (laughs) Because they're all, as, exactly as you say, it looks like the Last Supper. It does. Doesn't it? And then, and they're all chatting, but not, you know, that terrible sort rhubarb, of chat. Rhubarb, which, rhubarb, rhubarb, <laughs> which are quite clearly not properly chatting. Yeah. And then suddenly, all their eyes swivel. Yeah. And it's Charles it's Freer. Great. I, I just, mean, it made me hoot. I loved it. But I think your, your directors, they get, there's a lot of playfulness and playing with genre. And they're, they're artists. They're more interested in making things visually interesting than just like, oh, let's just tell the story. It's really, I love, that's what I loved about it. The directors are kind of having fun with it too. And then the music cue ends exactly as Charles shuts the door to the boardroom, which I just, again, a detail they didn't have to That's Simon May for you. God, the guy's a genius. Isn't he? Isn't he? incredible. And then, so Charles comes in. Now, you'll be able to tell us this. 
definitively, how do you pronounce his surname? Because we've tried it every way and we can't decide I which. say Freya. Freya. Mm. So almost like there's a like a frayed thread, Freya. Yeah, Freya. Okay. That's it now. That's that's going in the style book. Friend. But I mean, you know, that's just me. I mean, did we call what you, you see you now put that down? No, in my no, no, head. no, no, no. If you don't Charles think Freire. about it. I, mean, I say Freya. You did six series. I know. <laughs> I'm going to go with your pronunciation. <laughs> so anyway, so Charles Freya comes in and the board are all gossiping, obviously, about what's going to happen next. Um, and he asks if anybody, uh, somebody has resigned. And he asks if anybody else is going to resign because he's going to now sort of work closely with Relton, even though he's got many other interests. Because uh, he, he says he's going to appoint a new managing director. And lo and behold, he appoints Avril. Now, let, let's just have a little chat here about <laughs> Bovril Rolf, as we Bovril. used to call her. Bovril. I mean... She gets offered more jobs, darling, in a in a day than most people do in their lifetime. She does. But the same company have also, earlier on in this series, offered her the job of PA to the managing director. Absolutely. How do you go that quickly from secretary to... I don't she know. is extraordinary. She is extraordinary. And no, she's she also, is. you know, running the boatyard as well. I know. I don't understand She's got more she jobs, love. More jobs. She has. She also works shifts in the Jolly Sailor in the evening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, she's been offered the job as MD. David Lloyd, who's always had a bit of a crush on her. Yeah. He He's obviously really put out that he wasn't offered the job. And also, formally, he's been rejected by Avril, hasn't he? She's kind of sexually said, yes. no, thank you. And so he rather catly says to her, no one's ever going to make an honest woman out of you. I know. What about... Nasty. And in front of Charles Frey, which I think, you know, would you do that? Because, no. you know, no, anyway. Not, not, not in a business setting, I think. No. That's something I think for... me too there. Yes, no, quite. Oh, she suffers a lot in this for, you know, well, just clearly just men treating her like a sex object when she's clearly like a business machine. Well, except Charles, who says, no, I have taken you on because you have a brilliant mind. So David Lloyd is rather unpleasant to her. And I think she's going to mull over the offer of the job yes. because clearly she doesn't trust Charles as far as she can throw him and quite, quite wise, quite wise. Anyway, at last, it's 19 minutes and 35 seconds in <gasps> and it's a jam scene. <laughs> Come on. So what did you think when you saw yourself again after all these years? Well, I, again, astonished by my shoulder pads. I mean, yeah. I really hadn't remembered them being <clears throat> that big. And it's a wig by this point isn't it because you decided no no that wasn't no hang your... on no hang on when did the wig come in serious two this is still my hair oh, it I is? Think. Okay. yeah serious serious two is still my hair um it might have come in in series three i think and did you just get sick of having all that hairspray and back combing and stuff well it wasn't the point was it was created as a look for her yeah especially by kevin moss who was at john frieda here oh, we are wow. plugging away <gasps> But he created it and it, it was fabulous and I loved it. But the point is, my hair doesn't normally stand on top of my head. No, Do you know no. what I mean? It doesn't stand upright. No, sure. No, most no. people's My hair yeah. sort of goes down. So to keep it upright did require yeah. an expertise, which frankly, not many of the girls at Pebble Mill could actually yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. And so it was, you know, it was really quite tricky and I had to sleep sort of, you know, oh, no. <laughs> very carefully <laughs> during my studio days and when oh, I was on the Anyway, we had to try and fit it was all a bit complicated and suddenly Karen Thomas who was a fantastic girl who took over said look why don't you have a three-quarter wig yeah the reason it's so brilliant is there is no it's because the front of it is my hair oh so they kind of combed your hair into, into was, the wig oh that's so clever it's very clever and I've kept it so I can become no. Jan Hard <gasps> at any moment Stop. in the day <laughs> No, no, I can. Oh, my I, God. I can't have, say I do. Have you ever gone back there? <laughs> I did go back there once for a photo shoot for a fashion company. Did you really? Because mm. they wanted it to look like Jan Howard okay, and not right. me, obviously. Oh, my goodness. I know. You, do, you keep, do you keep Jan on a little pedestal in somewhere in the Oh, bedroom? no, no, she's in a box, love. 
She's kept in a box. Poor love. She's, she's not given any. No, she's not given any billing at all in my Aww. house. No, I'm I, sorry. I, I love the idea that she's. It's always the potential's always there to go back if you want to. That's that's made me very very happy. Anyway, so Jan is getting ready for a big fashion show. You're going to Olympia. You're going to Jan's going to Olympia. Yes, <laughs> in London. It's a huge deal. It's going to be the first showing of uh, Claude's collection. Charlie Bridges' collection. Oh, so who's who designed it? Charlie Bridges. And who's Charlie Bridges? Claude Dupont. A? We used to call him Charlie, oh, Charlie Bridges. Bridges. Oh God! Oh, I did German at school. Dupont, of course. Oh, Charlie Bridges. We used to adorable. call him Charlie Bridges. Bless him. And his that accent Mal- is Malcolm James. Malcolm James. And I thought it was sensational. I loved it. I loved that accent. Did he accent. keep it up between takes? No, or, no. no he, he could. I mean, he was so he was so you know he could just put it on and. And how Scottish is he in real life? Um, quite Scottish. Wow. You know that lovely Edinburgh sort of lilty. Yes, Scottish. Um, yeah, quite Scottish. I just think he's amazing. Yeah, and really dishy, even with that silly ponytail. <laughs> I think I, I think even even as like a ten year old, I think was I he really your favourite? Well, no, I mean I think it changed. I think I really liked Tom. Yeah, just because he was so kind and lovely. And yeah, then no, when when Claude appeared on the scene, I think he was my favourite for ages. And I was really cross about the end of this episode. I can tell you. <gasps> <clears throat> We Let's not get there jump yet. there. No, 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 we mustn't yet. So Jan is trying to calm down Claude because he's worrying about every little detail of the collection. So you're wearing a beautiful sort of navy ensemble again, navy. I just keep seeing navy everywhere now. It's like a lovely sort of calf skirt and a jacket. And you eventually manage to persuade Claude to calm down and uh, have a day off, crucially giving him the time to go water skiing. Oh dear. I'm just saying that now. Yes. You let him, you let him go water skiing. <laughs> that was on you. Yes. Um, <laughs> My fault. <laughs> and then obviously Lynn comes in and she's, at some point, I, I, I forget where we are in this series, but she's had a chop. She's got like a lovely blonde bob now, Lynn. Yes, she has. And she looks very chic. Um, and again, in, in the voluminous fabric of jackets and skirts, yeah. and she wore a lot of those. And she sort of whisks Claude off and says, don't worry, darling, um, you know, you need to clear your head. Come water skiing with me. So leaving fashion for a minute, which I wish we didn't have to. We're going back to Relton Marine now. We're in the boardroom. There's like a smirk off between Avril and Charles. So much smirking. I can't tell you. <laughs> I mean, it was so, was it? I couldn't. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, uh, Tim Tienan, who did the, the commentaries with us. Oh, yeah. He actually, he, he actually said it was, you know, a sort of battle to know which, whether to look at the eyes or the lips. <laughs> because they were all speaking so, so it's much. It's true, it's true. I, I, I do think it was a little bit this Sue Ellen school of acting at that oh, moment. Do you yes. know what I mean? Yes, it was sneering lip. It, it, it was sultry. It was <laughs> suggestive. Yep. It was everything but business, really, exactly, wasn't it? That exactly. subtext was going so deep. And that, and that clearly, Avril's not stupid. She understands that there's history with Charles. And obviously, yes, it's a great business opportunity and she's ambitious. But she must know that there might be some, you know, shenanigans. Of yes, it. And things are going a bit off the ball with Tom. She's had her, you know, her affair well, with she's Tom. throwing Tom down the river, darling. Well, she she doesn't care. She, yes, going off the boil is putting it mildly, isn't it? She's, yes. She's sold him, literally, to save her boatyard. So she's grilling Charles about this job, seeming to be playing hard to get, but then she just says, yeah, all right, I'll have it, thanks. And then back at the Howard's house, Jan and Leo and Lynn and Claude are at the dinner table. Um, you're pouring some wine. Do you know, I, I, I noticed that Jan Howard, in this particular episode, yeah. was queen of props. Oh, she was. She is never without something in her hand There's and being very busy. Yeah. Do they give that to you because they know you can handle it? Or do you just say, a lovely bit of business here would be if I poured some wine? 
Could be either. Ah, Could be either. I like it. Always active, always thinking. And you're talking, although the family is talking about Tom and the catamaran and sort of the, the awful situation he's in um, and how that could really financially be a big problem for him. And then there's a ring on the doorbell and it's Abby, un- ungrateful Abby, <laughs> who's just turned up shaken and upset and asking for a place to stay. And Jan is really lovely to her and gives her a cuddle. I do. <laughs> and you're really nice to her. But frankly, I think she's a bit of a whingy old thing and she's, she's brought it on herself. <laughs> there is so much talk about Abby and Leo on Twitter, Dan. You'll be in terrible time. trouble. But they do get a hard time, but they are being defended stoutly. I know, I know. But there is an account, isn't there, on Twitter? Is, is it someone who's pretending to be Leo? Yes, there is. And he takes great offence every oh, time. Terrible offence. Yes, he's there. He's <laughs> We're very sorry, Leo. You're you're a good man and you care about the animals and the environment. But anyway, so Jan looks after her. It's not even Leo's girlfriend, but she just clearly, you know, she's maternal. Well, well, no, but I mean, Polly's my best friend, as I point out. True. So I would have known Abby all her life. Yeah. Um, even though you know that your best friend doesn't really like her daughter. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I don't know how I feel about Polly, you know. I mean, what? Yeah. I'm so, it's a surprising friendship, don't it you is. think, between those two? I think it's just a geographical thing, like they're near each other so they become friends yes i think you're probably right they probably both like fashion and met at the school gates drinking gin and yeah possibly actually Mm. yes almost certainly yeah mum friends you can't choose your mum friends can you anyway then we go to a really touching scene next where we go to kate's cottage and we see the sold sign outside. Oh, this is awful. Poor Dulcie Gray. I got really cross. In recording this series, I've just become crosser and crosser that they gave her a sad plot line because I want to see Kate doing happy things because I love her so much. Well, she, she's marvellous when she when she does her sort of brusque acting, isn't oh, she? With, yes. with Jack. Yes. That she's There's a about. war on. Yes, you know, <laughs> I mean, that. it's marvellous. I love it. No, no. But I felt really, really sad for her because I thought, gosh, you know, it must be awful for someone like at her age yeah, to, lose to lose her cottage. Home. Did she lose Probably. it? Can you help me out here? Did she lose it because she gambled it away? She ha- remember she owned a leg of a racehorse. Ah, <laughs> so you weren't it. in any of the scenes, so you, you know, it's probably sort of not on your radar as much. But yeah, she had she had a leg of a racehorse that then was injured, couldn't run, and she put like a huge accumulator bet on it all on this one race. Oh, no. And uh, yeah, and so when the horse couldn't run, she couldn't get her money back for some reason. There was a loophole. There is um, something wrong, isn't it, with my family and money? Oh, genuinely, there are all these risk-taking people, even even the, the pensioners, for God's sake. <laughs> I can't even rely on my mother to be good with money. <laughs> but anyway, so she's, she's uh, had to sell her beloved home and she's sitting in the garden sobbing. And Tom, um, who obviously is now her estranged son-in-law, but she still has a huge affection oh, for him. she, she loves, loves him. him. Mm. Very very, very much. More than me. <laughs> yes, well, exactly. I know. She's clearly very, very sad about the marriage breaking up. Um, and she says, if only I hadn't been such a blithering idiot. <laughs> and I want to know, did the writers write Dulcie Gray's words? Because some of the words she uses, they're so straight from a lovely film or a black and white film from the 40s. I love Dulcie was, I mean, she was like the Lunts. I mean, yeah. she and Michael Dennison were from another era. Yeah, and literally. they were just the most wonderful characters and they would have written these for her specifically oh. knowing that these were absolutely within her vocabulary yeah, I mean yeah. it just the, sounds right coming out of her mouth do you know yeah. that Noel Coward said if you want a party to go with a swing ask Dulcie Gray you're joking no <gasps> not he did oh my god she was a insane. sensation she was one of the this country's leading lepidopterists yeah she wrote 
a, a thriller novel a year. Really? Even when she I knew was, she'd written books. I didn't realise she was so prolific. Yes. She wrote, I mean, she wrote her autobiographies, which are fascinating yeah. as well. Oh, I'm going to have to read those. Oh, you are. It's, they are fascinating because she, she was, I think she was in Africa and ran away at the age of 15. I mean, she oh is my. extraordinary. Wow. But the thing was, she, she's, um, she used to write these novels even when she was doing Howard's Way. Really? Yes. And I named one of her novels. <gasps> which one? You can't remember. <laughs> no, I can't. Mirror image. That's so cool. Yes, I've that got, is so. And she cool. wrote a copy for me. I put oh it at home goodness. signed. Was she as gorgeous as I hoped she was? She absolutely was. She was of another era, completely. Yeah, totally. Um, she was delightful. Uh, she was absolutely the the height of discretion. Yeah. She came up to me once. She said, "Darling, I'm terribly aware that you're having a very bad time. Oh. I don't want to know what it is, but I just want you to know that I'm behind you with my boots on." Oh my god. <laughs> I think I just died. <laughs> Isn't that the most wonderful That's thing? That's so overwhelmingly lovely. Isn't it? What a generous thing to say oh, to someone. Like, she was amazing. You don't have to tell me, no. but I love you and I'm here. Yes, exactly. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> oh God, that's amazing. Oh, I don't think I can carry on now. <laughs> I'm too overwhelmed. Oh, We're God, both here in tears. Oh, God. Oh, she just sounds wonderful. I'm so glad. She was. She was, Kate. Anyway, she's really kicking herself for losing the money on the horse. And Tom is there. He's there to support her, but he also wants her advice, as he often does. And he says that he and Avril have had a real humdinger of a row. So the, 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 the row has been centred around the fact that Avril's going to work with Charles again. There's history there. It's not over. Um, and obviously, Tom is very jealous. Yes. So that's not gone well. Uh, th- there's a wedge being I don't care about you know. Tom being jealous about Abel, <laughs> frankly. You're still, I'd you're rather still just not. skate over that, if you don't mind, Julia. <laughs> I know, sorry, the wounds are still fresh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Then we go back to the Howard's house where Abby is recounting to Leo the terrible tale of her trip to Birmingham. And we've all we've all had one. (laughs) um, And I speak as someone who used to live near there for a bit. Um, But yeah, she hints that Curtis has been, you know, not what she thought he was. And then goes on to describe how he viciously attacked the man who'd viciously attacked his own dog. He he'd basically gone there with a cosh. That was was very, very, um, what's the word I want? Specific, wasn't it? Yeah. What he did. Oh, no, they don't skirt round it. It's kind of vile. Yeah, and she she talks about sort of her horror watching this man that she thought she might fancy. I don't think she ever really did though. Beating this guy up with a with a blunt instrument. It just sounded quite horrific. And they have a sort of touching little moment together. They're still friends, Leo and Abby. There's never really been They're a lovely couple, I think. They you know? are. I really do think they're a lot and I love the work they do together. I think as actors they work so brilliantly yeah, together. Yeah, they really do. Mm. They really do because everything they do is fairly sort of low key. And there's I don't know, there's something about I think the reason why, you know, people sort of go on about them being wet and stuff on, on Twitter. But there's their performances are so dialed down and so small. They are. And sometimes I suppose you just want sort of to vary it a bit. But actually, it's really it's really good work that they're doing. It's just it's, it's, it's very quiet. And you kind of have to lean in. We always think that that in another world that Cindy Shelley would have become a French film star. Do you know what yeah. I mean? If she'd been French. Yeah. Um, with her look, especially when she had a haircut towards the end of Howard's Way, she looked so spectacular. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's a lovely actress. Yeah, I and mean, she was a really in Tenko lovely actress. Too. She was in Tenko. And what's she been in since? Has she done more stage work? No, she I think. As much, no, 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 she hasn't. I mean, she's had children, yeah. she's had a family, and yeah. uh, I think that became the important oh. thing for her. Oh, well, yeah, no, I've, I've obviously, she was one of the main things I remember from Howard's Way, I think probably just being sort of nearer to my age and stuff, you know, you fix on yes. the, the younger characters and you're watching as a youngster. And yeah, I just did uh, that, that opening episode where she she tries to kill herself. I know. Because it had a real impact on me. I was like 10 going, oh my God, that's mm. awful. I think, I, you know, probably the first time know, I've I seen think, that subject. I think mentioned. it's, uh, I mean, the thing about Howard's Way is that it's often described as a soap opera. Yeah, I know. And I know why that is. But in fact, it started very much as a drama yeah, series. Yeah, it was quite a small cast and it dealt with some really, really difficult subjects. Yeah, it did. Way before, I mean, you know, EastEnders and all that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- they dealt with divorce yeah. and the breakup of a marriage, which yeah. was really tricky. Yeah. And if, and also for me, what was fantastic was that, in st- which was never on the cards, I was meant to be the hurt mother at home. Yeah. They reinvented me as a woman who became successful in her own right. Completely. All this was really groundbreaking it and it was. made a like like that younger um character spoke to you julia yeah i had letters from women my age saying you know um i, I, I i'm an empty nester and i didn't know what to do with myself and i've now started up my business as whatever it was Amazing. and 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 she became jan howard became a real sort of you know shout out for yeah. the older woman thinking I've got the rest of my life yeah here. what shall I do and with people it people had their kids usually <clears throat> earlier yes. so you're kind of back yes. you know with a, with a blank canvas going what should I do with my uh, life certainly earlier? at 40 
Yeah, exactly. They're all, they're all, you're all sort of my age in the show and I'm going, you've paid your mortgages? What? It's <laughs> incredible. But no, it's true. And I think for all the, you know, there's bits of casual sexism and kind of Jack leering over someone or Ken being a bit naughty. But the female characters all have stuff to do that is not making pasta bakes in a yes. kitchen. Yes. They're winning yacht races. They're becoming managing directors. They're starting their own businesses. It was an incredibly empowering series for women. None I of them were that, victims. No, or... they weren't. I think it is true that soaps do always give the best parts to women. Oh, Somehow, yeah. that's where women get their best parts. Well, yeah, and women are watching, so you want to, you know, you want to appeal to that audience. Yeah. You want to show that, you know, there's more to life than, you know, especially in the 80s. That was an unusual thing for a TV show to do, I think. But it was kind of a victim of its own success, I suppose, because it only really got seen as a soap because it was so prolific and it came back series after series and people sort of started to see it that way. And it was very glamorous. <laughs> you know, a bit, bit more glamorous than your average drama series. But anyway, so Abby and Leo have a sort of a cute little moment together, which ends with him. Uh, she's saying something like, um, I'm really glad I picked you, meaning as a friend. Mm. And he replies, I picked you, remember, out of the sea. And then just winks. Oh, it was sweet. <laughs> Perfectly timed. I and know. just exit Leo. Perfect. <laughs> um, anyway, and then we go back to the yard where Avril's in another Navy outfit like seriously, the palace. Just... I think I think her navy is very much, you know, Royal Navy Sea. Yes, I know she's nautical. Nautical. To, yeah, to she's a... very nautical. Yes, and she's telling Jack that you no, know, she's now seriously worried about the insurance. The insurance doesn't cover the yard, or it, it covers. There's it lots covers of shenanigans, the boat, but that's not right. the fact that somebody's lost their life. Not not the dead guy, and so that's going to be like a million and a half that they have to find without mm. insurance, which is just impossible. And I said to Steve where... and I'd have asked for more than a million and a half. Yes. Yeah, Yes, if if it were him, I would. What is Stephen worth, incidentally? (laughs) Oh, much more than a million and a half. He's priceless. (laughs) Um, So this is where the tide begins to turn and Avril and Tom start to realise that this... Well, she's looked into it. She's basically said, we have to suspend him, which is cold. Oh, I couldn't believe... I really was shocked by them. I I know. I thought they were just... Snakes in the grass. Yeah, they took his money. They took his designs. He revolutionised their business, and then they just flipped yeah, him flipped. away like they a did. fly. The only person who stayed true, Bill. Yes, it's true. Only person who stood by him. After all his doubts about Tom initially, and he didn't like new blood coming in and things, he's the one who. Well, there's a nice scene later, isn't there, yes, where he there kind is. of shows solidarity with him. Meanwhile, out at sea, uh oh, Lynn is piloting a speedboat and she looks really happy, and Claude is skiing behind it on water skis and he looks happy too. <laughs> there's a lot of smiling at one another across the <laughs> yes, waves. Yes, it's lovely. And there's jaunty music and everyone's having a lovely time, and it's a bit windy and grey, but otherwise conditions are fine and everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, at the Urquhart's, Charles is reporting back on his digging he's done some digging about Curtis Yeager because Polly's been worried about this nefarious character hanging around Abby and she begs Charles to talk to Abby which obviously is going to come across as a bit strange because Abby doesn't apart from he's a businessman who knows her mum yeah she doesn't know him at all and he quite wisely says she's going to guess you know so he agrees to talk to her but he's a bit sort of unhappy about it and then meanwhile back at the yard there's the awful scene between Avril and Jack and Tom and you can see Tom's just Devastated. He's already, you know, absolutely gutted about what's happened and can't sort of sleep for it to be cut loose by his supposed friends and not just his friends, his lover. Um, He's devastated. And Avril says it's breaking her heart to do it. And he just looks at her. And what does he say? Do you remember what he says? No. He just looks at her and pauses for a long time and just says, heart, what heart? (gasps) And it's just devastating. It's really devastating. Told you so, Tom. Because he's usually pretty. Well, exactly. 
but he's usually pretty happy-go-lucky and you know he does have to play some scenes of trauma but normally he's quite a solid character who looks after other people who are having a rough time but he's just I mean he plays it brilliantly but he's absolutely broken Meanwhile, oh God, back at sea. <laughs> the, the music's now changed. It started off as the kind of just the jaunty Barracuda theme, which is lovely when anyone's having a nice time at sea, that cranks up. But then it turns to this kind of proper synthy kind of 80s pop version of the theme tune. And suddenly Lynn notices another boat is nearby, another water skier with another speedboat in front of him. And uh, she looks a little concerned, but not unduly so. And then suddenly drums of peril, drums of peril. You're like, oh God, no, no, what's happening? The, so the music is doing all the work here, obviously in Lynn's face, because the, the, over the roar of the boat, and actually the music's quite loud. She can't, you can't really hear what she's saying, but her face says everything. And she goes from sort of mild concern to starting to sort of shout that the other boat needs to move away. But yes. the other pilot of the other boat is happily looking back at his water skier. He can't see them. He's yeah. not interested. And they kind of turn away and loop around in front of Lynn's boat. And, but, you know, things are clearly bad. And then suddenly, Claude's off his water skis. He's in the drink. Oh. I can't see this ending well now. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just, but it's really brilliantly done because it's quite a fast turnaround. You know, the episodes sort of been paced fairly evenly and suddenly this huge dramatic moment is coming. And I think Tracy Charles does a brilliant job. She just, she takes the tension from naught to 60 in a few seconds. And suddenly she's screaming, stop, he's in the water. water and I'm like, I oh God, he's in the water. The really attractive French man is in the water. Don't <laughs> hit him, don't hit him. And of course, the, the scene builds to its climax and the other speedboat, we think, hits Claude because she screams and then we just see the boat disappear over the top of him and Claude's face just, you know, look horrified. (sighs) Just take a pause for a moment there. Yes. It was a bad moment in my childhood, I can tell you. (laughs) I thought, I don't think he's going to survive. And you actually remember it, do you? Oh, yeah, no, I really do. Because I think by series two, what was I was 11, so pretty much obsessed with the show by then it was it was a huge shock for me oh yeah my young heart was broken oh that's all I can say Jan (laughs) over at the Howard's house Jan's out she must have gone to London by this point to get the fashion show ready um, at Olympia and the CF1 Charles's car pulls up outside the Howard mansion sort of a mansion isn't it it's quite yes big. it is and Abby sees Charles approaching the front door through the conservatory window and she's a bit like what <laughs> quite understandably and he asks to talk to her in the garden I'm not quite sure why he couldn't talk to her in the conservatory no I know maybe he was just being sensitive like I don't want to trap you in a room maybe you'd yes, feel better if yes, we were outside yes I think that's true a bit of spatial awareness yeah he's being yes. unusually sensitive um, and he sort of talks to Abby a little bit tries to kind of be familiar with her but she's a bit nonplussed by it And then eventually he asks her, you know, would she go home to her mother? He's acting as intermediary. And there's a very awkward conversation. It goes backwards and forwards for a bit. He's asking her questions. She's essentially saying it's none of your business. And then there's just this brilliant moment where he's about to walk away like, "Okay, then, well, fine. Nice to have seen you. And uh, he turns on his heel at the end just as he's leaving. And she says, Mr. Freer. Freer, Freer, whatever. She, I think she calls him Freer, actually. Maybe. You're my father, aren't you? Da, da, da. I know. How did she get there? I don't know. She's a very, very perspicacious young lady. She's an isn't intelligent she? young woman. Yes. And clearly, I think just sending this random dude in, she must know that her, like, her parents don't have sex, although obviously none of us like to think about that. She must be aware. But more that- of that <laughs> later, too. Well, quite much more. But yeah, to, to get to that loop, I mean, she must have already been thinking. Yes. I wonder. Something, yeah, yeah something's, something's up. going on here. So she works out that Charles Frere is her father, which is kind of big news. And she kind of doesn't really, I think she's in shock. She doesn't really react. And then we're straight back to the hospital where clearly Claude Stricken, hit by this boat, a horrible head injury, has been rushed for treatment. And they're clattering down a corridor. That corridor. 
He's on the trolley. Lynn's grabbing the side of the trolley. She looks devastated. She's covered in Good blood. blood. <gasps> oh, awful. Oh, that's so awful. Awful. I hate it when they go to hospital. Never ends well. And then back at the yard, Tom is just, you know, distraught. He's sitting on the jetty overlooking the marina. And this is where Bill comes and sits next to him. We offers some words of comfort. And I have to say, the actor who plays Bill plays it beautifully and he rolls a cigarette. Do you know, with Stephen said exactly the same so thing. Good. It was just lovely. And and he was saying, you know, the thing is that you've got to remember they probably did that scene many times yeah. because you have to, because it's never and he's but he rolled that cigarette and it was so right, wasn't it? Yeah. Bill would roll his own and, and he obviously was very, very adept at it and it yeah. was done so it's nice those touches. Those I touches know. are lovely. I sometimes wish for more backstory for Bill because I think very early in the first series he's talking to Jack at some point and he talks about how Jack's wife used to be Bill's sweetheart and there's kind of a bit of history there and he's such a beautiful actor I kind of thought I'd I'd like there to be I mean Mm. there's too many plots already there's so much going on but it would be so nice to see a little bit more of Bill's life and what goes on with him because I think he's a lovely character so anyway they have a nice little heart to heart where Bill he sort of he remains bluff and facing forward but he offers some real friendship and he doesn't like the way that Avril and Jack have treated Tom but then the the cosy moment is over Avril runs out to see them and says that there's been a terrible accident and Claude is in hospital and it looks bad. Bad. No. Uh, I think so that, awful. where does the line, my favourite line actually, oh, go on. in this episode, yeah. he was hit on the head by a boat. <laughs> the deathless prose, I think, was actually said by Dulcie Gray. <laughs> I'm just imagining how you, now I'm imagining someone with a small boat repeatedly hitting yes, someone yes. on the head. <laughs> it was it so, doesn't quite work, does no, it? One no. more edit and you'd have been there. Uh, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, next we go. That's lovely. Next we go to the beach where Abby oh, and Leo yes. are kind of having a little chat. Well, and that was quick and sudden, wasn't it? I know. She changes her mind like the wind, this oh. woman. <laughs> I'm off to America. I know. Well, she's kind of given her child to this American oil bear yes. and his son. And then, yeah, next thing you know, she's decided she might go over there. She might marry him as well. And we'll see what happens. It's all very odd. But maybe that's what, you know, what happens to you when you find out that an evil millionaire is your father. They have this nice chat on the beach. They never say it, but there's this lovely subtext that we never did get together, did we, sort of thing. That nobody says anything, but their performances are so infused with it. It's really sweet. And he's so nice about it. I kind of want him to go, are you serious? I've helped you bring up your child. I've literally done everything for you. I've given up my job. Like, I haven't got any income. I'm living with my mum. I'm destitute. And now you're buggering off to where? I'd be furious. But he's very nice about it because he's a nice guy. Oh, <laughs> Lovely Leo. He did a good lovely. job with that one. You brought him up very well. I did. He's a good boy. <laughs> he is. Have you seen any of your children since I Howard's have. Way? I have. have I, see, I see Leo quite a lot. Do you? Yes, I do. And I now do. his like, son's a megastar. Oh, and... unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Freddie Highmore, yeah. So what's he doing? Is he still... Uh, Eddie is doing The Good the good Doctor. He's doing a, this huge series oh, in America. yeah, 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 yeah. Shall I tell you this? Go on. Well, um... Edward and Sue came down to stay with us in France. Ah. This is many, many, many years ago. Yeah. And Freddie was conceived in our garagiste's room. You're kidding me. I'm not. Oh, my God. And he has named his film company after the name of our village. Really? 
really? Mm. Oh, that's so sweet. Isn't that sweet? Oh, and we goodness. got the sign from the village and sent it to oh, America. Oh, God, you're so lovely. For him to have it. In <laughs> really? His, he was so thrilled. Oh. And they were both thrilled. Edward and Sue were just oh, over the goodness. moon they must when be we so proud. presented them to him. It's lovely. Amazing. Wonderful. Yeah, so you're, amazing. you're good pals. You see each other. Yeah, we do. That's really nice. Oh, lovely. Was it one of those things, though, where you're playing... I mean, it's really hard to tell sort of people's ages in the show, but the people who are playing your children are too old to be your children, basically. Um, it's always the way, though, isn't well, it? Well, no, I don't... Pl- are they playing a bit younger? Edward certainly hadn't done a lot, and he was quite young. Oh, so he was fresh I, out of the box. He was quite yeah. young. Mm. I, I think I'm 18 years older than... Oh, you were a very young mother. <laughs> so I was a very young mother. You didn't waste any time, Jan. No, no. <laughs> Anyway, we have to get back to tragedy now. I'm sorry, oh, yes. but there oh, it dear. is. Come on, we're, we're in, the, face. in the depths of it now. Back at the hospital, Tom and Leo come running to find Kate with Lynn, and they're in the waiting room. Lynn is just clearly in shock. Mm. She's done this a couple of times this series. Tracy Charles does kind of shock. It's so brilliant. She doesn't appear to be doing anything. She doesn't do all the things. I think because I'm not an actor, I do like I'd, I'd probably cry or look sad. Or mm. she just she does this incredible sort of um, zoned out expression where she, you can see there's a million things going on behind, behind her eyes. But she, even when later on, when the awful moment comes, she just, her face is so, she doesn't react in the no. way that I think I would if I was told to play a dreadful scene like that. I think her acting's terrific. She plays traumatised extremely well. She does, well. she mm. does. And she also is a very good crier. Oh, yeah, brilliant. She's a brilliant crier. Yeah, yeah, well, she had to do it quite a lot. Yeah, she did. She had she... a lot of crying to do in I series know. one. So no wonder she left. She was probably just a dried out Exhausted, husk. darling. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so, yeah, the family is kind of rallying round. Then we cut back to, oh, God, the dramatic irony. Oh, I can't bear it. We're at Olympia. It's fashion. Jan is going through the rails of outfits, preparing for this huge fashion show. I'm there with my clipboard. Yes, you are. Organising it all. And where is Claude? Exactly. I'm saying. And did the jet beads arrive? And who's dressing yes. Juliet Seagrave? <laughs> Oh, Juliet's always been a problem. I know, she's really difficult, isn't she? (laughs) Demands off the charts. I thought, you know, I have to say to you, considering that all the budget went on the boats, as you can imagine, and I was left with sort of five bolts of material in the same sort of warehouse for five series, (laughs) six series, um, I thought that fashion show looked Bloody amazing. I thought it was the real fashion show. Like, Were there shots brought in of like real fashion shows? No. Or was this all staged for the episode? That was all sta- I, staged honestly, for the I'm episode. Honestly, I'm so impressed. I thought that was some library footage cut in because no. it just looked incredible. I know. I, I thought, I, I was really pl- pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I and mean, I thought, blimey, this yeah. looks really good. It looked fantastic. So was that all Pebble <clears throat> Mill they set up? Uh, there was, that was all shot at Pebble Mill. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it looked it looked absolutely brilliant. There's a there's a full sort of catwalk, a backstage area, and Jan is just in her element, running the three ring circus. Maybe part um, of it was on film. I'm just trying to think. Maybe, maybe a bit. The, the long catwalk might have been. There's on film. There's a bit later, which I have to say I thought was on film, but we'll come to it in a minute. Okay. Where I kind of went, is that? Oh, anyway, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, so we're kind of cutting between you know the two worlds, like Claude's fashion show, the kind of glory he's about to get for all of that, and then obviously just the utter bleak tragedy that's happening back in Tarrant. So we cut back to the waiting room. The Howard family are kind of all half asleep on chairs sort of under blankets. But Tom's awake and he's fretting and he sees a that awful thing if you've ever been in hospital waiting for someone mm. to come out of surgery. Awful. And the doctor kind of just walking past and you're trying to read the expression mm. on their faces and yeah. just, oh, it's absolute Horrible. agony. And then we cut back to Claude's hospital room where obviously Lynn is by his bedside. 
he's bandaged. <laughs> After have to see like a boat sticking out of his head where he'd been hit on the head with it. I'm just trying to lighten the mood. It's all so tragic. Um, and Lynn is just sort of looking at him with these big sad eyes and she just, she can't take it in. It's such a shock. So she's just pensively waiting by his bed. Back in Olympia, there's a nice exterior shot actually, which is sort of clearly looks like it was shot at some kind of fashion event. If it wasn't, they've done a really good job of recreating it. But fashion people are milling about and it looks must, kind of... Must, that must be stock footage, yeah, must it? Yeah, might it. be. And then inside we go to the catwalk. Now, the model that's walking down the catwalk, to me, unless I'm mistaken, it looks like Iman, David Bowie's wife. Like, it really looks like Iman. I wonder if it is Iman. Because if it's like a big famous fashion show, I mean, she'd have been, you know, the supermodels would have been there, she'd have been there. But it looks like her, it really does. I need to know. You can't find it out from me because I don't know. No, I, see, I don't I need, know. I need, can, can people who follow this on Twitter, can you please watch the episode and the first woman who walks down the catwalk, and she does, she gets to come down on her own as well, which makes you think she is a man because she's yes. really famous, uh, looks exactly like David Bowie's wife. She's wearing like a cerise and purple outfit with a big sort of pussy bow at the neck. It's an amazing outfit. But I think it's a man. I'm convinced. I need to know. Meanwhile, backstage, that's where the real action's happening. Jan is checking the models. There's champagne and paper cups. Everyone's kind of being very fashion. And she says, where is he? Because obviously, you know, she doesn't know anything terrible's happened. She's just frustrated that she's been kind of left, left in the lurch. I'm yeah. furious. I know. So all the Charlie Bridges collection yes. <laughs> is um, of the stuff that we actually see. Where's that come from? Is that another designer? The costume department made it or? That I think... I think I'm not I'm not sure because yeah. I don't think at that juncture we had everybody on board so I no. think that might have been either borrowed stock yeah, or yeah. I just I'm not sure I can't answer that there actually. are there, there are a couple of models we see you talking to backstage who then go, go down the on catwalk. they go down the so catwalk that's obviously yeah that's of a costume that's come from somewhere but they are actually really rather nice dresses I thought the yeah. black and white ones yeah so yeah you talk about the black and white what do you call it the black and white mood yes absolutely oh they were beautiful I rather like them but it's really hard because when you're trying to oh, we've talked about this before on the podcast when you're trying to show a designer like Tom's designing boats Claude's designing fashion and you have to see the designs it's like you have to get you have to get them done properly because yes. it, it has to look the real deal but anyway so the first two models are sent down the catwalk everything's sort of chaos bits of controlled chaos backstage and then Jan did tell them when they're turning to kick it out the back I don't think they, they didn't. listened to you they didn't did they, they didn't no. I noticed that yeah. I thought oh, well God you won't be using those how many times again? do I have to say it girls was that Juliet Seagrave <laughs> She doesn't bloody listen. She's probably pissed. She was drinking all that champagne. <laughs> Back at the hospital, in total contrast, uh, we just see a monitor ominously oh. beeping next to Claude's head. Lynn is just sort of dispassionately sort of gazing into the middle distance. And then the awful words from an unseen doctor. I'm sorry, Mrs. DuPont. And that's it. And we know he's gone. gone. And Lynn just, again, in a really amazing moment, because you think I'd probably throw myself on his body and sob. And she just sort of looks a bit dazed turns and walks out of the room and then we just see a finger switching off the monitor mm. and it goes to black <gasps> oh god it's so unrelentingly sad but i suppose you know it's a big finish for the series god i could have done with a you know a pratfall <laughs> or a joke at this point <laughs> anyway back in the waiting room lynn comes in through the doorway she's frozen with shock and it's only when her dad tom he makes to sort of come across to her hugs her she just mm. collapses and again amazing crying mm. you're right really incredible crying she can cry she really can and tom we've talked about this before as well morris colburn does this incredible thing when he's um, a, bit, a piece of information has sunk in tom's fringe just goes up like a quarter of an inch <laughs> it's incredible like his whole brow just goes 
Oh, I see. And his hair just moves. Oh. Oh, his hair acting is astonishing. So he kind of realises just as Lynn comes in that the, the awful thing has happened. Claude is dead and the fringe responds in kind. Absolutely amazing. Um, and then we cut back to the catwalk. And this is building up to one of the most incredible things I think I've ever seen on television. <laughs> um, genuinely is because I've never seen an actor. I've never seen an actor do this. You have to explain how you did this. So we see a kind of... it's, And again, the direction is really impressive. There's like a crane shot. Keith Washington director. Give, give him a... Absolutely Keith Washington amazing. director this. He does yes. an astonishing job here. So it's, you know, in keeping with this quite beautiful setting of that there's a catwalk, huge sort of stage flats, the backstage area. This crane shot takes in the catwalk. The last stragglers are leaving, models and makeup artists and things. And then it just quietly pans up over the catwalk, over the sign bearing Claude's name, you know, at the back of his fashion show and it discovers in a sort of a, a top shot effectively Jan and Leo sitting on the floor surrounded by you know the detritus of the fashion show discarded outfits bunches of flowers champagne cups so the camera's been on you for about a minute nearly by the time it gets down to you and it comes down and down and down and it comes into Jan's face and it gets really close to your face and then literally with the timing of I don't know a military just incredible timing the camera stops you don't even blink. This is how I don't get how you did this. And just you just produce a tear. And it just comes out of your eye, down your cheek, and then fade to black. How the hell did you do that? It's, do you know, it was really... It was ex- amazing. It was an extraordinary thing because Keith Washington asked me to meet him the night before oh. the, we were going to film this Yeah, at Pebble Mill. Yeah, I was coming up anyway because we were going to be doing it. And he said, this is my plan. We'd always known that he had planned this, but he said, I want to do this one shot. Right. And he said, it's going to last a minute and a half or whatever it lasts. And he said, I want to end on you. I don't know what you want to do, whether you you want to be crying, whether you want to be... Yeah. He said, "I, I leave that entirely in your hands. Oh, wow. Okay. But you will be there. You may want to be holding on to Leo. You may want... So I said, fine. So anyway, we set it up. And Edward and I just thought we and the thing is, of course, we hadn't seen any of the filming no. of what Lynn had done. Yeah, sure. So in a way it was quite interesting because we both just sat down, took the places we were given to sit. Yeah. We were given the places sure, to sit. Sure. And actually we just didn't we it was extraordinary really. Um it was a very difficult shot. Yeah. And it was rehearsed a few times. Mm-hmm. Now, we shot it actually twice. Did you? Okay, I was going to ask, because you can't keep producing that over and over again. So we only shot it twice. Yeah. And on both occasions, that tear came at really? that time. You did that twice? Twice. How? What do you I do? Don't, do you think of something I was sad? Think, yes, or? I was thinking of something oh sad. My God. But how, I think the God of Howard's Way was there. Yeah. Because how it, on two occasions, came yeah. exactly as... The And of course, you know, it was quite difficult because I'm, I'm suddenly aware of this huge bloody camera yeah, it coming around. Massive. You know, I mean, it's in close up, but it's still quite close yeah. on. You're, you're aware of it. Yeah, you can't pretend it's no, not there. No, you can't pretend it's not there. No. And of course, also, it took a while to steady focus. Yeah. Stephen, when he watched it with me, said, I can't believe how you've done that. No, that I can't. extraordinary. I've and, never seen it done. And, it, and looking back on it, it was just... I don't know. A I little bit just, of magic happened. A little bit of magic happened. Yeah. But it happened twice. Oh, that's Isn't amazing. That that's even more ridiculous that you managed <laughs> but, to do that But twice. then watching it, then there was no upbeat music. No, no. 
Well, the whole of this series is... Now, I don't know if it goes back in series three, but the whole of series two, they used the Marty Webb song to close the episodes. And sometimes, like in this case, it works like a dream. In other episodes, it kind of slightly took the energy out of the end of the episode, which I think maybe maybe that's why they went back with Barracuda. I think yes. it comes back next series. But here, it's just the most incredible ending. It was. It just was perfect, face, wasn't it? tear... Then it just very slowly fades to black. Again, that's not soap. That's drama. It's yeah. incredible. And then you just cut gently to the titles and her singing this, you know, beautifully. It was fun. Do you know, Howard's Way was a, just to give you some of the inside story, yeah. Howard's Way was a great series in that it was an incredibly happy series. Yeah. Everybody wanted to work on it. All yeah. the crews at Pebble Mill wanted to, the costume, makeup, and everything. It was known to be. Great fun, good laugh. Can we say a happy ship? <laughs> we could say. We have a, to say a happy yes, ship. Which a happy ship, Julia? She's, <laughs> she's smiling now. Thanks, Dan. Um, uh, and uh, but the thing also it was it was it gave chance for writers. It gave chance for yeah. new directors. Yeah. We had we had Sarah Hellings in the first series, She's lady one of my director, yeah, fabulous, yeah. fabulous. Because she come from I, obviously I madly researched her, but she came from Blue Peter documentary. She used to film the VTs for Blue she Peter was, apparently. She, and then, and, and she went on to do Taggart and really good. Oh, wow. well, yes, um, Midsummer Murders and Amazing. everything else. Yes, she had a fabulous career. Yeah. And, you know, Keith Washington is another example of a young actor cutting his teeth and wanting to make a difference. Yeah. And so they came in and they wanted to put their stamp on. Yeah. And, and you're right. You're very clever to have picked <laughs> it up because there are some lovely moments yeah. that he has added into. And it was a big risk he took on that last scene. Yeah. Because it's a very odd way to finish 13 hours of drama. Well, it is. But, you know, he obviously knew he could do it with you. He really trusted you. <laughs> Stephen said to me, but is that real? And I said, what do you mean, is that real? He said, yeah. that tear. And I said, well, how do you think? I know. You, no, no makeup artist could get in there and put a tear in my no. eye. It couldn't happen. That's what I mean. It's like it's, It was like a magic trick because, you know, at no point do you ever not see you no. in the build-up that you're in shot. There's no tubes, there's no yeah, glycerin, nothing. there's, there's th- no onions. <laughs> you're just producing this. Inc- oh, it's just, I think it's absolutely amazing. Witchcraft, I'd call it. Witchcraft. Yes, beautifully directed by Keith Washington. That was a, was a hell of an episode and then there was always like a really long gap wasn't there was, was it a full year between series it, or? nine months yeah so nine it felt months. it felt like a long time yeah. to wait for the next episode now when we come back i think lynn goes off sailing doesn't she she doesn't yes. come back no lynn goes off sailing to get mm. over claude yeah. now i can't remember whether abby comes back does abby take a year out i think she does i think she, she might goes for a while she yeah. might have been pregnant Oh, really? Whereas Susan Gilmore had two pregnancies throughout Howard's she Way. She never did. She did. How did she manage She that got then? all those close-ups. We were furious. Oh, I said, that's I said, that's I said clever. if I get pregnant, can I have a close-up? <laughs> that's actually very clever of her. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, um, uh, but, but I, Cindy, I think, did go out, off for a while. And, yeah. Because she goes to America and I suppose it just... That, it fits. That worked yeah. very, very well. Yeah. So maybe that's what But I guess had. the sheer amount of fabric in some of the clothes, I guess you could hide a bump if you needed to. Yes. Sort of. Sort but it's of. the way they shoot around it, isn't yes, it? Yes, they do. I have enjoyed this so much. So much. <laughs> We're not letting you out of the building. You're staying here now. So. <laughs> I'm coming back every Monday. Yay! 
oh yeah yes please <laughs> no that was just that was just amazing it's such nice to get an insight about what it was like to make it as well because obviously you know I loved the program when I was a kid and to hear it was a happy group of people making it and they loved being there is just it, just a cherry on the cake well the thing is that we used to have fantastic rap parties oh I bet you did and I was social sec I don't know why but were I, you Stephen and I always organised the rap parties and we we had various things like what one year we had um, little horrible vile little cactuses <laughs> that were given as awards for oh, the really? best you know oh you did that did you and all that all that okay. sort of thing. yeah yeah and on this end of this one the reason I'm bringing up the end of this second series we went to our favorite restaurant which was Ransom's Dock at that time in London oh right and yeah. we took over the whole restaurant and I mean people came I mean um Jonathan Powell, head of series, oh, came. And, I yeah. mean, and all the writers and all the actors who'd been in it. And I hope we always looked after the actors that came yeah. in because it's so hard to come into a series like Extremely, that. Extremely, you know? when you're all a group, a tight All group so and... tight family and, you know. Yeah, yeah. But we, you know, got all them back oh, and everything Oh, God, else. it sounds so lovely. And on this particular one, don't ask me how we had found this out, but we had found out that Dulcie Gray had written in the 1930s a hit song. <gasps> She just gets more incredible. So we went up to Charing Cross Road to the music shop yeah, yeah, yeah. and we found the sheet music. No. Yes. And it was called You Tickle Me Spitless Baby. I'm Just Mad About You. <gasps> oh my God. No, it wasn't. It was it's too perfect. It was. <gasps> oh and my we goodness. sang it with the boo 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 in the background <laughs> for Dulcie at the rap party. Oh my it's one goodness. of my favorite memory was she delighted oh she couldn't believe no, it that you've gone to all that she trouble. couldn't believe it Aww. you tickle me spitless baby <laughs> i'm just mad about you i bet that was quite a daring song for the what time don't you think what, what an yeah. extraordinary she's basically a punk <laughs> <laughs> here you have, that's it she's a punk oh that's she amazing. was she was very much uh i think a maverick yeah, she I sounds really do. that way. I mean, and very driven as well to write and act and yes. write songs. Um, and, and, and after Howard's Way, she went into the West End with, with Michael. Did doing, she? Doing um, Oscar Wilde and, you know, wow. things like that. Yeah, I mean, wow. she, they worked, they worked. <laughs> she was, um, I used to go up and see her and have lunch and things like yeah. that way after Howard's Way finished. Oh, that's And nice. she did a thing called The Lady Vanishes. Yes, yes. And uh, she said, I, sh- I knew I shouldn't have done it, darling. The Lady Vanishes. Well, I did. <laughs> Fell down, broke my leg. <gasps> oh, no. Oh God! <laughs> she just sounds like a like a dream of a person. I'm she so was. jealous that you got to be friends with her. <laughs> she was extraordinary, and she knew the Queen Mother, and they were Did very, she? very close mates. Now that tells you something. I think a gin or two was shared there. Well, yeah. I mean, once I remember reading the I can't remember uh, some lady in waiting or someone had sort of listed the average drinking diary for the day for the Queen Mother, and it was just like you know martini by twelve and gimlets after lunch. Yes. It's like constant like out al- like solid alcohol. Absolutely. Incredible. Absolutely. I wish I was their mate. I know. <laughs> Back in the day. Back in the day. Anyway, I cannot thank you enough for coming. This it's has been, been gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've loved it. Thanks very much because I would never have gone oh. down Howard's Way oh. had you not asked me. So it's been a great revisiting oh. for me. It really it's has. It's amazing. Will you come back if you think of anything else you wanted to say? Oh, I've got loads to say. Brilliant. Okay, <laughs> no, I, I imagine you have. It sounds like you have a lot of stories. I'm delighted to say you've agreed to have a bash at the closing theme. I must be mad. (laughs) Genuinely, I'm more excited than I've ever been about anything. (laughs) So it just remains for me to say uh, it's been a delight. And thank you, Jan Harvey, for being always there. Howard's Way, oh it was.
play We had six happy years In the soul and spray Long ago It's now so long ago I can hardly remember What I did in the show It. They still tweet and follow the show They have their favourites They watch them come and go 85, it started its long ride But it's not over yet In people's Fresh as the morning air. Take it away, Marty. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> GreatBigOwl.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.